With three starting pitchers on the shelf until at least the midpoint in the season, the Rangers need some help in the rotation for the first half. Are there any prospects who could help the Rangers with the depth in the rotation to make it to the second half of the season? On today's show, we're going to look at all that and more on this episode of Locked on Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this show. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers make your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into today's episode, this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. <clears throat> now, the Rangers rotation in the second half and assuming they make it to the postseason which is not a given as we've seen in uh many of the past years but but not this most recent year when the rangers not only went to the postseason but won the whole freaking thing with a rotation that uh was was put together along the way there was a lot of depth at the beginning of the year about Eight guys who you felt very confident in starting a game for you that would give you a chance to win the ball game, but the Rangers sustain a crap ton of injuries because a lot of those guys who they signed had some concerns with their medical history, with their durability, <clears throat> and those guys are, well, mostly still on the roster, and the Rangers traded for two starting pitchers at midseason, which I don't think they're going to do because right now their their midseason rotation additions will be, well... Mid-season is, is a generous term. They're all kind of different um, additions of timetables for when they'll come back. Max Scherzer just had surgery on a herniated disc, which he suffered in the World Series, which is what knocked him out of the World Series, unfortunately. But hey, World Series champ nonetheless, still a Texas Rangers legend for forever. But he's going to be not back until probably around mid-July. Usually takes about six and a half months to recover from surgery. He had that surgery in the middle of December, so... About early to mid-July is is probably when you're going to expect Max Scherzer to be back on the mound pitching for your reigning World Series champion, Texas Rangers. They also signed Tyler Malley to a two-year deal, a deal which I really, really like. And when he is healthy, uh, Tyler Malley is a very, very good pitcher. Um, Go look at his 2020 and 21 seasons for uh, the peak of Tyler Malley. He's not a guy with the most explosive stuff, but the strikeout rate has always been very good. He doesn't walk a whole lot of guys. He's got a really good fastball that, that pairs well with his other stuff, including the splitter and the slider. Having a guy who, th- having two guys in the rotation who throw splitters is very exciting. Not a pitch that a lot of guys throw, and it is very, very effective if you can use it well, like Tyler Malley does. But the point is, he had Tommy John surgery last year. He'd also had a shoulder injury as well, so he is recovering from Tommy John surgery. That surgery happened, I believe, in the early stages of May. Only made five starts for the Twins last year, but he's probably going to be out until around probably, you know, late June, early July is is when I'm thinking Malley is going to be back in this rotation. The Rangers will probably 
ease him back, make sure that he is fully healthy. The deal is for two years and $22 million, but I believe it's about $5.5 million this year, and then $16.5 million for 2025, or I guess this year, by this year, I mean 2024, because we're already there. It's already the 2023 offseason, so we're moved on to the 2024 season. So the Rangers are more expecting him to, you know, earn the bulk of of that role um, of that you know chunk of change in 2025 where he's hopefully healthy for the full season and then of course your ace the greatest pitcher in the world maybe the history of planet earth with the stupid caveat of when healthy is recovering from tommy john surgery he is projected to be back sometime in august that will be about 14 months after his tommy john surgery in june of last year and uh well, you really just hope that Jacob DeGrom is healthy for that stretch run and for the postseason. The Rangers could have really used him in the postseason, but hey, they didn't need him. And the fact that they won a World Series without their greatest pitcher possibly ever, um, with Nathan Ivaldi being an incredible postseason hero, um, it kind of shows you the high end of what this team can do. So that's three really, really good pitchers the Rangers have that are on the shelf for the first half of the season. And, uh, well, as of right now, their opening day rotation looks a little something like this. It starts with Nathan Evaldi, then John Gray, Dane Dunning, Andrew Heaney, and Cody Bradford as your number five. And <clears throat> I love Cody Bradford. I think he's going to be a pretty solid pitcher, have a, a solid career. And he was very important for the Rangers in the playoffs last year. Those three innings of work in that blowout game in Baltimore when Jordan Montgomery did not have it, that was huge. That is something I will never forget. That is something that he should never, ever forget. He has a World Series ring. He earned it. And he is a hero for all time among the Texas Rangers forever. And that's awesome. That's awesome for the Alito kid. But on a team who expects to not only compete for and hopefully win a championship, go back to back, and are really looking forward to winning the AOS, because again, Chris Young had talked about there being unfinished business with the Rangers losing the division on the last day to the Astros. That's still stuck in their craw. They are still annoyed about that, um, and the <coughs> pompous uh, remarks by the Astros that were then paid for in the ALCS, um, and in my mind, is completely resolved and fun to go laugh at backwards of the Astros actually probably celebrating prematurely, and then getting beat in their own stadium, four times out of four times, losing every single home game in the ALCS, and the Rangers going on to win their first ever World Series. But again, Cody Bradford, which is how this whole thing started. Sorry, I've got some coffee in my blood, so I'm running a little hot. Um, uh, so the tangents might be extra long today. But Cody Bradford as your number five in your rotation to start the season. Now, it's not ideal. I think he could be. A decent starting pitcher, I think his his ceiling is maybe that of a number four starter, a guy who is going to go out there every fifth day and and give you about five six innings and and is not going to blow anybody away, but is usually not going to get beat too badly. But but right now with the way his stuff is, he kind of reminds me of Cole Reagan's um, last year in 2022 before he. Went to some uh, magic facility where they bestowed the power the power to work on his core um, and his balance and and all of that good stuff and that suddenly added like five miles an hour of velocity to his fastball and uh, whatever he did I would like 
Cody Bradford to go and do that same thing so that maybe he can turn into Cole Reagans again, except this time the Rangers will learn their lesson and not trade him to the Royals for a rental reliever and have him go on and be absolutely sensational somewhere else. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen to you two years in a row. So right now the Rangers could probably use somebody else fighting for a rotation spot in opening day. <clears throat> and it would be nice to have it be a homegrown guy. Now, with the situation with Bally, there is a new tentative agreement in place, meaning basically the only thing you need to know is that the Rangers are, are still projected to be one of the three teams who are are not given their full revenue. Um, everybody else that Bally has agreements with are going to be paid their full revenue, um, but the Rangers will be joining the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins for not getting that revenue. Well, <clears throat> I guess the Twins, their contract is up this year, so... That's kind of where they're, why they're on that end of the stick. And for the Rangers and the Guardians, I think it's more not because people aren't watching the Rangers on TV, because I think they definitely are, and they have a huge market, but they're owed a whole lot of money because they are have such a big market of all of Texas, and you know part, they're in broadcast in five different states, and they're also the reigning World Series champs. So um, I'm pretty darn sure people are still watching the Texas Rangers on baseball. The ones that do still have Bally. But the Rangers, all of that to say... It means the Rangers are still probably going to be uh, a little on the cheaper side <clears throat> for free agent spending and not able to play at the high end of the market with all these very good starting pitchers on the market in Yamamoto and Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. It seems like those guys might be off the board. So some internal candidates might be nice. The Raiders do have some top pitching prospects who I have some faith in, um, but let's look a little bit at their history of inability to develop a starting pitcher and just how bad it's been because it has been quite bad for many, many years and a little bit of look at some help they could get from the bullpen internally right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. They've already got some, some lines for who's going to lead the league in home runs, and Corey Seager, I believe, is in the top 10 of who's going to lead the American League in home runs. If you think he's going to have another great year, then you can go check out those odds on Bet Online. If you think that the second-half rotation will be enough to carry the Rangers to back-to-back World Series, the Rangers have the fifth-best odds on FanDuel to win the 2024 World Series, so you can go check those out at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you can kick off the NFL season. FanDuel. Official partner of the NFL. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I've got a special episode for y'all, a yearly tradition with Jason Burke, former host of Locked on A's, doing our Festivus episode. If you don't know what that is and you don't know what Seinfeld is, it is a very fun tradition that Jason and I have done. This is the fourth year running. Just a fun, silly show, a little bit different, special episode, but still a lot of fun for me and a lot of fun for y'all. Well, I don't know if it's a lot of fun for y'all, but other people have enjoyed it in years past, and I very much enjoyed it. So check that out tomorrow, and I'll be back to three episodes a week. We are in the offseason, so that is where we are at this point. Hopefully next week we'll have some Rangers transactions to discuss, maybe some big trade, maybe some big signing. But right now we are looking at the Rangers starting rotation, who can help them out, and just the history of inability to develop starting pitching. Now, starting pitching is very, very difficult to develop. It's not just the Rangers who 
struggle to develop starting pitchers that are homegrown, completely homegrown, or even mostly homegrown. But but right now, I went and looked in the last, well, since the 2001 draft of of um, of guy, I guess just just the last 23 years since the year 2000 of how many homegrown starting pitchers have the Rangers had that have been successful and six by had at least one decent season I set the barometer for just who is a guy who the Rangers have you know either signed internationally or drafted and developed that has had a two war season just a single 2.0 baseball reference war season and the results were not great as you might expect there are one two three four five pitchers that the Texas Rangers have drafted and or signed internationally that have had at least one two-plus war season with the Rangers. Now, the first one, I guess not first one, I don't know what even order. I, I Just the first guys that I was finding, remembering off the top of my head and then researching this and backing it up, <clears throat> the first guy is Martin Perez. Now, you may be thinking, Bryce, 2022, does that count? Because he went away and then signed back. Well, even if you don't count that, that was a five-war season in 2022. Before that, Martin Perez was, for many years, a top, top prospect in the Rangers system. Very high expectations of him. They didn't quite live up to, but he was better than people remember him. At least at least better than I remember him. He was, he was okay. He was solid. He was fine. And for the last 20 years of Rangers starting pitching development, solid to fine is exemplary that is the the top end really because it has been such a rough way now he had two different two or more war seasons before he came back and had his all-star season in 2022 in 2016 he had a 2.0 baseball reference war season and in 2017 a 2.2 baseball reference war season he was an international signing so congrats to martin perez one of the best rangers homegrown pitchers of the last 20 years Next guy on this list was Derek Holland. He had two different seasons of two or more war, according to BaseballReference.com. He was a 2006 25th round draft pick in 2011 and 2013. Uh, He had a 2.6 war season in 2011 and 3.2 war. Whoa, breaking the bank there in 2013. Next guy on this list, Scott Feldman. He only did it once. It was a 3.8 war season in 2009, but... That is one of the top seasons of, of these homegrown pitchers on this list. Um, actually, the third best season by any homegrown Texas Rangers pitcher, not including Martin Perez's 2022, because again, went away and then came back. That was a 3.8 war season in 2009. He was a 2003 30th round draft pick. There are no longer, I don't think, I think 30 rounds is, is the last one. Maybe it's down to 25 Um but there's not a whole lot more 30th round draft picks that are um, getting this kind of love. Next guy on this list was, I would say, the best homegrown Rangers pitcher of the last 20 years, pretty comfortably. He is the best pitcher, starting pitcher, and he only had two really good seasons with the Rangers and then signed as a free agent with the Angels. That is, of course, C.J. Wilson, the straight-edge racer, the former closer, turned starting pitcher. He had a 5.0 war season in 2010 and 4.9 in 2011, a 2001 fifth-round pick. Really a great job developing him, moving him from the bullpen to be a starter. The Rangers were hoping they could do that with Neftali Feliz, who doesn't technically wouldn't technically count as a homegrown pitcher because he was originally signed by the Braves, then acquired with Elvis Andrews in that delightful Mark Teixeira trade. And then the last guy on this list, I almost missed this one. 
a former first-round pick. Yes, a first-round pick that is a pitcher for the Texas Rangers, who they developed into a guy who had one really solid season with the Rangers and then was traded in what ended up being a very lopsided deal. That is, of course, the great Tommy Hunter, a former first-round pick in 2007 out of the University of Alabama. Roll tied to Tommy Hunter. He had a 2.7 war season in 2010. Almost forgot about that, but hey, it counts. It counts on the board. Now, you may be thinking, Bryce, what about, you know, Alexi Ogando or, uh, you know, Matt Harrison or uh, Kobe Lewis? Well, Kobe Lewis went away and then came back. He had several two or more, actually just two different two or more war seasons with the Rangers. But because he went away and played in Japan after playing for other teams and then came back, I'm not counting that as a homegrown pitcher because he did most of his development elsewhere. He was not developed by the Rangers. Matt Harrison did have a two or more war season, but again, he was part of that Mark Teixeira trade, so he does not count. And Alexi Ogando, who I thought the Rangers had drafted and developed, because again, my baseball obsession started in earnest in 2010. I thought that he was drafted and developed there, but no, he was a Rule 5 pick from the A's, did have several two or more baseball reference war seasons, and an all-star season as well, but he does not count. So that is five homegrown pitchers with just a two war, not even asking for like a five or a seven war season or an all-star season or a Cy Young, which the Rangers still have had nobody ever win a Cy Young with them. Um, hoping that maybe Jacob deGrom could have one fully healthy season and, and win one for the Rangers or, uh, maybe, maybe at some point the Rangers develop a starting pitcher who wins a Cy Young with the Rangers. Anything is possible. Rangers won the World Series, so now the the next white whale for them to slay is is developing an ace internally and keeping him around. (laughs) Now, there are a few guys, uh, the Rangers' top five pitching prospects, uh, kind of consensus the, the last guy is is you know up for debate and i still haven't done my rankings that'll come out sometime in january but the rangers have some pretty solid pitching prospects the top five guys according to it will be pipeline are brock porter jack Leiter, kumar rocker owen white and josh steven <clears throat> now i believe in these guys i believe in all of these guys and their ceiling to be a at least back-end starting pitcher at the major league level like they, they've got some talent there but there are definitely some questions surrounding all of them. And um, none of them are as close to being majorly ready as Cody Bradford, which is why, as of right now, Bradford is projected as the number five starter. Granted, I think some of these guys, uh, not all of them, but some of them will be fighting for a rotation spot to start the season. But I just, at this point, I don't know exactly who all is going to actually be ready. So let's look at these guys coming up in just a second, how close they actually are and what they need to do to help the Rangers and actually be ready to be a starter in a major league rotation. Right after this word from our sponsors. Now, let's look at these starting pitching prospects. For my money, I think there's a clear top two, and then there's a next tier of two, and then everybody else is kind of, um, they're in their own little range. Of, it's it's way more up for the date. But I think the clear-cut top two are Brock Porter and Jack Leiter. And Jack Leiter had a really up-and-down season last year. He finished on a solid note after going on the development list to just take some time off to rework some mechanics because he was still, the things that were plaguing him in his first year of pro ball, we're still plaguing him this year. The improvements early on were 
just not there. He was still missing uh, glove side with his fastball consistently. And he was not able to locate his breaking stuff in the zone for called strikes, not able to, you know, get as much chase. He was relying too much on his fastball and because he couldn't command it as well. He was getting lit up and he was also walking a lot more guys. Um, and that was not a good combination. But after spending that time on the development list, <clears throat> taking some time off to rework some of his mechanic mechanics, because it, it wasn't so much a... A, a mental thing because the mentality was there it wasn't just a you know a bad makeup kid a guy who just didn't want to listen to what the rangers were telling him <clears throat> didn't want to you know follow his his coaching instructions it was just mechanically he was just not quite able to make those tweaks but he's a smart kid he's a hard worker and eventually those tweaks did come he had a good finish to his season made it all the way up to triple a finally i'm sure just mentally the weight lifted off his shoulder to finally pitching somewhere other than in the Texas League and with Frisco and with just fewer eyes on him I think that might have helped a little bit um, the Rangers are still publicly very confident in him and his ability to eventually be a starting pitcher but my most aggressive projection for when he's ready for the big leagues is is probably mid-June of this year and that's if everything goes just perfectly and I, I don't see that necessarily happening I, I'm Still a believer in the Jack Leiter train. There's been a lot of people falling off of that train recently, especially this year, and just not having any confidence in the changes that he made at the end of the year sticking. I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in the kid that Jack Leiter is. And the stuff is still there. He's still throwing hard. He's still got a really nice fastball with great velocity and great life on it. The you know projection on that is is very, very good. The ceiling on those breaking pitches is very, very good, very high as well, but with both the curveball and the slider. And we'll see how that that cutter that he's trying to add, uh, we'll see how that adds to the mix and, and how much he can get development on that changeup, which I think both those pitches, if they're just average, I mean, the fastball projects to be at, at the top end, a double plus pitch, probably at least a plus pitch. And both those curveballs could be true double plus pitches, a 70 grade pitch, very very good pitches, both of those breaking balls. So again, I'm not thinking that he is going to, he's going to be, I'm sure given an opportunity to fight for a rotation spot out of spring training, but I don't think that he is going to break camp in the Rangers rotation unless just he has been working his absolute tail off to, to perfection of working out all of those mechanical issues that he has suffered for the first year and a half two years of his minor league career i have no doubt that he is in the cage in the in the uh, the lab the pitching lab probably in um in at vanderbilt working his butt off to figure out whatever has been plaguing him the last couple of years and and i have full confidence that he is going to fix those issues now the next guy um brock porter <clears throat> he's not gonna be ready for for 2024 that, that's just that's just too much to ask of the kid. He had a solid first year of pro ball. He is still very, very young, even though he's a little bit older for a high school draft pick. He was 19 when the Rangers picked him. He was 20 this year, but the walks were still a pretty big problem for most of the season in low A. The hitters were not very advanced, and his changeup is incredibly good. The stuff is very, very good. And and of the guys in in this, this Rangers system of, of pitching prospects, I think that his ceiling is the highest 
maybe Kuma Rockers is just a little bit higher than his, um, but it's it's right there. It's a very, very high ceiling. He's still got a long way to go. The first stages were very good, but he had to unlearn and relearn some new mechanics this year. So there's still a lot for him to work on, um, but it's it's early. He's a high school pitcher. There's a lot of volatility there. Um, so he is still a long ways off because he has not even started a game above low A. He'll be 21 this year. I'm assuming he'll start in low A. And if things are going very well, maybe they challenge him with a midseason promotion to Frisco. But <clears throat> he is still quite a ways off. And having him step in and help the first half major league rotation is not a reasonable thing to ask for this kid. Next guy on this list is Kumar Rocker. He had Tommy John surgery in May of last year. He was looking very good, very promising um, after some concerning fall league outings uh, where his mechanics looked just way off and was um, very concerning um, but he looked very very good in his full season pro debut in Hickory was going to be getting a mid-season promotion to double A before he had Tommy John surgery incredibly unfortunate timing but I'm still a big believer in Kumar Rucker the stuff is there the <coughs> build the body mechanics are uh, well the the frame, he's got the frame to support being a top-end, you know, workhorse starting pitcher. That's not going away. Um, being able to use his legs a little bit more often to, you know, repeat that those mechanics, that delivery, the slider is still very, very good. The strikeout rates were very, very good. And the walks were good, solid, stays in the zone and gets swings and misses in the zone. That is a guy who you want to bank on. But again, he's probably not pitching again until July of this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start him in double A whenever he is healthy, but again, he's not gonna be pitching until July, so he is not going to be helping this major league rotation in the first half while they are having these hurt pitchers recover from injuries. Now, Owen White is is the first guy on this list who I, I think, yeah, he could be helping this major league rotation. I, I really do. Now, the thing with Owen White, I thought that he would be fighting for a major league rotation spot by the end of the year, but the stuff really backed up this year. He was dealing with a neck injury, and the Rangers were, <clears throat> were allowing him to pitch through it because it wasn't going to get it wasn't going to be made worse by him pitching. And so he's just still working on that development. But <clears throat> without the stuff, without the the velocity and without his, I think his banging, breaking stuff backed up a little bit too. Uh, he wasn't nearly as effective. He wasn't getting the swings and misses that he normally gets. And he was walking a whole lot more guys than he had in his past. And <clears throat> with him, I just want him to stay healthy. I wouldn't, I, I would have, you know, kind of rather the Rangers, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say, I would have rather the Rangers just let him sit until he got whatever was plaguing him healthy and then come back and, and actually be there. But he had missed a lot of time with injuries in, in his developmental timeline. Um, when he was on the field, he was very, very good. But again, he missed significant time in 2022. So they didn't want to also have him miss significant time in 2023. So I get that. But if the stuff is back for Owen White, I would not be surprised if he beats out Cody Bradford for that fifth rotation spot. But again, I don't even know what to expect with his raw stuff and and if that is going to be um you know back to where it was in 2022 if it is i feel very very great about owen white and his projections for the future if not um I have some real concerns but next guy on this list who i think could be fighting for an opening date rotation spot is zach kent 
He missed the vast majority of the 2023 season due to injuries also pitched in the fall league just to get him some more time, some more innings um, for his developmental timeline, but it was uh, pretty, pretty lit up in the AFL. Um, I'm a believer in Zach Kent as a starter. I think his his ceiling is probably that of a number four starter. I think he could really help the bullpen if the Rangers move him back there. He relies primarily on his slider, a slider primary pitcher, which is uh, always interesting. And his slider is very, very good. It plays very well with his other pitches. Um, I think he could be ready for opening day. But again, he was so hurt and, and kind of a mess when he was on the mound last year. It's hard to glean very much of, of where he actually stands. He could be ready, or the Rangers could send him back to AAA, or maybe just move him to the bullpen and, and see if he could help the Rangers out there. Um, Josh Steven, he pitched one game in AA. He's young. He's done well, but he is not helping this rotation. And then <coughs> Cole Wynn. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea with Colwyn. Nobody knows what the deal is with Colwyn. He has been pitching in, I believe, the Dominican League. Uh, maybe he's been pitching in Venezuela. He has been pitching in Latin America this winter. The walks have still been there. He has been striking out um, a decent number of guys in uh, Latin America this winter. But again, it all comes down to his mechanics were a mess, and he just was walking the entire world and allowing a lot of hard contact, a lot of home runs. Strikeouts were still kind of there, but... <clears throat> If I knew what was wrong with Cole Wynn, I would be maybe even a GM because that, there is just no logical explanation for what's really been going wrong um, for someone with my scouting level of expertise. Um, but I hope Cole Wynn can figure it out. But as of right now, you cannot bank on very much from him at this point. So basically, the, the Rangers' options for opening day or first half rotation help is um, hope Owen White's stuff is back. Hope that Zach Kent looks good. Otherwise, um, go, go sign somebody. Go sign a mid-tier free agent that cannot bring back Martin Perez because he is with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Unfortunately, best of luck to him out there. Um, but in terms of the bullpen help, I think um, I think that's more of an indication of, of how much the Rangers have struggled with pitching development. I had Jake Mintz of Baseball Barbicast on the show back in late um, September. And the one thing that he said that, that stuck with me is the Rangers lack of ability to develop bullpen arms is more of an indictment on their pitching development than the lack of ability to develop a starting pitcher because very few teams can develop starting pitching, but almost everybody can spit out a reliever or two. And he's pretty right. He's pretty right at that. I mean, look at the Tigers bullpen last year. Look at some other bad teams and their bullpens that were much better than the Rangers. And I think there are some guys who could really help on the farm from day one in the Rangers bullpen, which is why I don't think they need to be as active in the bullpen free agent market as they do. They don't need to sign a a reliever as badly as they need to sign another starter. But I think Antoine Kelly is for sure going to be in the Rangers bullpen to start the season. Very high on him. Maybe Mark Church makes his debut with the Rangers. Still has some walk problems, but that slider is as nasty as anywhere. Um, Emiliano Toyoto was moved to the bullpen in the Arizona Fall League, did not allow a single run. His stuff is absolutely incredible, and out of the pen, it could play up even more. I mean, he's hitting triple digits consistently with his fastball, and the curveball was very freaking good. I think he could really help this Major League pen as soon as opening day. Um, and Chase Lee, the Viper, we'll, we'll see what that looks like, the the funky side armor. Um, I, I don't know if he's ready for the big leagues, but Jose Corniel is a guy who they put on their 40-man roster to protect from the Rule 5 draft, and I think that he could be in the Major League pen Maybe not start the season, but um, somewhere down the line in July or August, I think he could be a guy who moves very quickly.
quickly through the system if he is pushed to the relief role. Now, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, sorry, it was kind of a, a, a bleak one talking about the Rangers pitching development, but hey, if you clicked on Rangers pitching development, you kind of knew what you were going to get. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.